0: Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we talk about grief and how it shows up in our lives. We also discuss the stages of grief and why going through these stages in process with others who are also on a healing journey helps so much to bring about healing so you can move forward into the future with hope and love. We hope you enjoy this episode. right. Well, we are back again and so excited to be sitting down to have Sarah back with us. I'm sure all of our listeners have been missing Sarah and appreciate uh, George Stoll for being on the past two episodes. Uh, It's wonderful to have him and his perspective. And so we hope you've enjoyed that. And today this episode is talking about the importance of grief. And Scott, why don't you get started, maybe just kind of a basic or your definition of what defines grief and loss?
1: Well, in the National Grief Institute and their material, which I've been using for a long, long time, they say it's the end of any normal pattern. Anything that's been a regular part of your life, anything, and then it ends, you will you will grieve that. Wow. You will experience loss.
0: Mm. So that's interesting because I think most people, I would guess, with grief, it would be something like a death or the end of a relationship. But you're saying even some of these small things, like a change in where you live all those things are that that weighs into it
1: right and what we know about these losses that they they accumulate over a lifetime Mm. we like we have a cup and eventually we have a loss one day and then we just the whole bottom falls out of our life Mm. but if you think about it anything like your children one day that they grow up and they move away yeah and It's exciting, but at the same time, it's a loss. That whole period of life is over, even though they're still going to remain your children. Um, And then we think about things that we dreamed of doing and being, and maybe we did them for a while, then one day we retire, or Mm. something changes, or our best friend who lived two houses down moves away one day. Mm. And like my one friend said, she had a doll that her grandmother had given her, Mm. and she lost it one day. Wow. And so, and then things like if we had some kind of security in our environment at home and all of a sudden that gets a, abruptly changed mm-hmm. and we lose that safety, um, that's a loss. It's just all these things. Um, and what I like is to realize that we live in a consumer-driven society, but life is far more about loss. Mm. And, and we just can't replace these things. We need to grieve the loss of these things.
0: Mm. And that's a healthy, that's, that's, that's a very healthy standpoint versus our culture is not, not very good at grief at all.
1: Right. And, and um, one of the things I'm grieving right now is, is diminishment. Mm. I'm getting older. Mm. I can't do the things I used to do Mm. even 10 years ago. Um, And so you realize that as life keeps moving on, everything, as Tim Keller says, eventually we lose everything. Mm.
0: I
2: think one of the harder things about grief and loss that we don't necessarily learn early is, is what Scott is saying, is that so much of our life is made up of losses that almost everybody experiences. Mm. So in some ways they are diminished because so many people move, right? So many people lose uh, friends along the way. So many people's parents get divorced. We lose pets. We lose children. Uh, loved ones, you know, our children, everyone, a lot of people have children who Mm. grow up and go to college and move out. So these are all losses that a huge part of the population has experienced Mm. or is experiencing. So when we're going through it and I felt this when, when my kids graduated from high school and went to college was this sense of, well, look how many people have done this before you. Mm. So what's so special about the grief that you're experiencing with your children leaving Mm look at all these parents who've gotten through it. So you're just going to, you know, pull up your big girl pants and you'll Mm. get through it and everyone got through it. But this doesn't change the fact that you still cry Mm. at really weird, unexpected times, like in the grocery store or in your car or in your kid's bedroom. And so, and a lot of times we just don't feel like, there's any place to go Mm. with that grief Mm. because in some ways we feel, I felt a little like stupid, like Mm. this is, why is this such a big deal? But it was a big deal. Mm. So I think our life is full of those things. And what Scott's saying is we're not really taught. Mm. Most Mm. of us are not really taught how to acknowledge properly that sadness Mm. when it's happening. And if we could, perhaps it wouldn't be so cumulative over time Mm. where we would often we see people, especially in group who've hit a wall because they've just had one loss too many Mm. and they haven't processed all the ones that came before. And then they hit a big one, or maybe it's like the third big one they've, they've hit. And then they just don't know what to do anymore. Um, what do you do with all that grief?
0: Well, a big part of it too, is, um, I found that like, through funerals specifically like I'm you know probably like you guys are often called on to hey can you do the eulogy can you help out with the service whatever else and and you just kind of get in that mode of moving through the funeral making sure your parents especially if you've lost a grandparent right I want to make sure and be there for mom I want to make sure and be there for dad and you forget (laughs) at the end of the day you lost your grandfather and so I've, I've had to kind of um, I've had to kind of go through and redo some grief um, in the past as well. So um, that's a big thing that, that I just I think that other listeners have probably sometimes you, you worry about other people going through the grief that you forget to grieve on your own. And so, Scott, there, you, we have some notes in here about the stages of grief. So can you cover that, just kind of what the stages of grief are and why it's important to move through each?
1: Yeah, well, we kind of have our own here at Restore. We just have one little adjustment. But the first stage is denial, Mm. which is just a shock. Whatever it is that I had, now is no longer here or it's not the same. Um, I I just can't believe it's gone. I can't believe it's not here. I can't believe I'm not going to go there anymore. The second stage is um, anger. Mm. And what I usually see with anger is people saying, why? And it's really not a question. It's really... A statement. Mm. Um, it's not fair. It's not right. Then the next stage is bargaining mm. which is um, I think very common in our society. Mm. Bargaining is where I, I'm somehow going to manipulate the outcome mm. which I just cannot accept. Mm. Um, I'm going to make a deal with the universe. God, I promise I'll do this differently. I'll do all this if somehow miraculously you'll bring this back. Mm. The reality is I don't want to accept it. Mm. And so I'm going to manipulate my way out of it. And then the next stage is where we... I believe that there's two parts to it. The first is depression. Mm. Um, Depression, in this case, is apathy, which we see sometimes when somebody's lost something that was so meaningful to their life or they've accumulated so many losses that the desire to live just fades. Mm. Um, And they just don't the desire to live just fades away Mm. but the next part of that stage I believe is the movement towards healing Mm. which is sadness Mm. Um, and there's a significant difference between sadness and depression Mm. a person who's depressed doesn't feel anything Mm. a person who's sad feels things Um, it may hurt like heck but I want to live and then that leads to the final stage of the grieving process which is acceptance Mm. um and from the Grief Institute, they I liked the way they said, it's gone, it's over, it never will be again. Mm. My heart was broken, but now it is broken open for God to bring new things.
0: Mm. Wow, that's beautiful.
1: Now, the significant thing about those stages, and Sarah, uh, we've talked about this before, like she was just alluding to earlier, uh, uh, significant dates, memories, walking into Costco, mm. you know, you see something, a commercial, uh, you know, an anniversary, can trigger you to fall back into, it. and you can actually go back into any of those stages, mm. and you can get stuck in those stages for decades mm. if you don't do the work, and which is why I'm, our society is so inept at mm. resolving loss because it's all about replacing things, and you can't. And so what happens is if a person does not resolve their losses, they're not able to be present, mm. and which is the big loss. They're still stuck, part of them, mm. back there. Mm. Um, and so, yeah.
2: Mm. I think we tend to think of grief as a singular emotional experience. I think a lot of people just think sadness, right? I'm grieving, I feel mm. sad. But I do think it's the whole spectrum of our Emotional life that gets involved in grief and loss. And so I think part of grieving well is learning to recognize that all of those feelings that you have in the process of it are normal, Mm. especially anger, which most people tend to avoid. But I think anger is such a healthy part of grieving. Yeah, there should be a day. And in the grieving process where you just wake up and are mad, yeah. you're just mad yeah. <laughs> and you can stay mad. I encourage people to stay mad. I'm yeah. um, like, if it lasts for several months, mm-hmm. I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes we tend to get mixed up um, with, a, as if feeling that anger means that somehow we're stuck in some sort of bitterness, but healthy anger keeps us moving. It's mm-hmm. it's that fire that 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 lights us, that kind of, pushes us i think it's absolutely necessary to be able to get through the grief mm. by using that emotion um i shared you know in episode 2 about my own story about uh you know my daughter's adoption when i was 21 and i think a huge part of my recovery process in that was anger mm. um for almost 6 months i think i remember just being i don't know i i, I not really myself but also yeah. i said whatever I wanted to say. I had no filter. I just, I walked around life kind of with this uh, sense of hardness, but I also didn't fight it. I just let myself right. feel it until I didn't feel it anymore. Mm-hmm. And one day it ju- it does, it resolves and you move on to the next stage. Um, so I think that is something, again, if we were taught how to grieve well, we would be told it's okay. The hurts. Okay. The loneliness, the fear, the anger, mm-hmm the shame, all of that is, is completely, you're gonna feel the whole gamut. It's it's as if the cycles of grief and those are totally intertwined. Mm. You'll be doing all that at the same time.
0: Mm. And I, what I'm what I'm hearing is I'm <clears throat> listening to you guys is how difficult that would be to go through alone. So I kind of want to turn the corner and juxtapose the experience of moving through that stage alone versus joining a group like the gr- grief group you guys offer. You know what I, I we, when we were doing the interviews for um, some of the participants that have gone through restore they kept talking about the grief group the grief group and some of the losses were just unimaginable as i was listening to the stories and yet they're sitting there in that chair with some type of inner strength this inner resolve and now they're talking about how they're going to go and create a nonprofit or they're going to go and create something that for those people on the other side they can help so talk a little bit about um, what it's like to go through it alone number one and the downsides of that, and then we can talk about the, the the how much easier it is to go through it with a group.
1: Well, just the more and more we learn about how God created our minds and our brains to work. I mean, it's just we were created for intimacy, and there, I don't think there's anything as intimate as being with someone who's grieving. Mm. Um, and I think they, you know, you just—it's impossible mm. to grieve alone. Um, there's parts of it that, that I, I have to do alone, but being going through it, I need others. I think it's just the compassion and the empathy um, and the, uh, I'm here. Mm. Uh, Parker Palmer, who Sarah and I talked a lot about, um, I may have mentioned before, but the first thing I ever read from him was he wrote about when he was depressed. Mm. Um, And uh, a guy, he talked about, how people would come to him and try to fix him. Mm. And it actually made him more depressed. But one guy came, or one person came and just was present with him. Mm. And he said, I feel like you're getting stronger today. Mm. And actually uh, helped him see that maybe depression wasn't the enemy. Mm. And and, um, he said that was the beginning of him getting well. Mm. And so I, I see the same thing for us because that's one of the things, our hard, fast rules of our process is that we're not going to try to fix anybody. We're not going to try to take your losses away, your Mm. grief, but we are going to be present with you. Mm. And I think that, Jake, that's that divine mirror that Mm. we talk about. Yes. And it helps me reflect back to me what I just can't see in isolation. And I don't know why it is, but as I was talking to you yesterday, the more I've studied shame, Mm. I see the inability to forgive ourselves, being mm. stuck in shame, keeps us stuck from grieving losses that we have. Because so many of the losses that people have, they attribute and regret to what they missed mm. or they, they should have done. Right. or they, you know, and, and so that you have to have others mm. to be present to do that. Mm. And That's I think beautiful.
2: if anyone has ever experienced really severe grief, you know it's almost an otherworldly experience. It's like walking through life in a fog. Mm. I remember walking around sort of only half-present to what was going on in my life Mm. uh, in in the stages of my worst grief. And in some ways, it makes you feel untethered from reality. Mm. I remember doing things. I think uh, anyone who's been through grief can identify you do something, and then five minutes later, you're like, what was I just doing five minutes ago? Or you mm. s- you find yourself staring out the window for the last 15 minutes. You mm. don't even remember when you started staring out the window. Mm. Um, so I think being with other people in that grief helps tether you back down mm. to reality, but also just lets you know, like, that's okay. Mm. that You're not like you're not falling apart mm. in a sense of like, there's like, this is abnormal. This is totally normal. Mm. So it's nice to sit with other people and go, did you stare out the window for 15 minutes today? Cause mm. I did, you know, or, or I, I left my purse in the store because I don't even remember walking in and walking out. Right. Like, and I think that's, you just really need other people to acknowledge uh, that the process is a process. And what I found amazing in the grief that I went through, for example, after I gave my daughter uh, up for adoption was, um, that the body heals the body. Somehow your mind heals itself somehow over time, Mm -hmm. but it's a process that's almost happening outside of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could almost in some ways observe myself Mm -hmm. grieving. And yet my body was doing its own thing. If I just sort of went along for the ride, it would heal itself. Mm. So I think part of grieving is letting go, mm. just get on the ride and go, cause mm. it's going to take you there anyway. The mm. more you try to resist it, the longer you're dragging it out, yeah. just go. And if you feel sad today, depressed tomorrow, anxious today, fearful tomorrow, fine. Yeah. But you gotta, you gotta go. Yeah. It's like they say the only way out is through. So you gotta go. Mm. Um, but I do think having other people in the process just helps normalize sure. that. So Absolutely. You don't feel like you're the only one.
0: Yeah. And so, in regards to um, some of the things that you've found that's been helpful for people through the small group process, you guys talk about rituals. And communication. So, can you talk a little bit about how how the group's designed to to give? Um, obviously, you know, the, the to, to move through the grief, but to also have some kind of one of the things that one of the participants talked about was just going for a walk. Right? That was what she could do that day. That that was so helpful for her. So, can you talk a little bit about some of those things that are kind of incorporated? And encouraged to say, even through this process, don't lose hope. And and the way to kind of move through it is by developing some of these rituals or some of these things that you can do um, that are just small things that, that can help you through the process
1: well, I think the, the main thing that I learned from the National Grief Institute was um, how do you know you have unresolved loss and I, I'd like to just mention that one more time but I really believe that from what I've seen in 20 some years of working with people in change and transformation is they struggle with unresolved losses mm. and they don't know what to do with that, um, and so the grief institute says that we must complete all communication around the losses, mm. and that. And see, that's completely different. Well, we'll get you a new dog, right? Or you'll we'll, you'll, you'll get a new job. You'll, you'll you'll get a
0: find someone new. You'll right. find
1: someone new. Yeah. Um, and the, re- that's, the reality is, it's it's going to follow you mm. if you don't do the work. Mm. So they say, how do you know you have unresolved loss? They say anything that you still wish would be better, different, or more Mm. is unresolved. Mm. And what I realize is that I see a lot of people get stuck in depression Mm. who um, they wish they would have been better, Mm. different, or more. Mm. And 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 they don't have any place to complete the communication around that. And that's what we get to do in our groups yeah. is that safe space where I can say um, this, is, this is what happened. Yeah. This is what I didn't do or this, and this is what I did do. And, mm. um, and this is what I lost from that. Mm. Um, so, it's, but I, I do want to bring back that, that, I, that shame becomes an internal message. Mm. As Bradshaw talks about, it becomes toxic and so it's, it's not that I wish things would have been better, different, or more. It's I believe I will never be better, mm. different, or more. Mm. And when that shame, that, those who I see people really struggling with resolving their grief, that have to be in a healing community like a small group mm. so that they can get a different perspective right. on that. Mm.
2: Um, yeah, and communication, I think, so we focus a lot in group on written communication, but I think the other thing in my own personal grief resolution that has helped, and and I know this is not a new idea, is the idea of ritual, of Mm -hmm. acknowledging dates, acknowledging places, times, seasons, Mm -hmm. when the grief Mm reemerges. And so, um, you know, you see a lot of times with the loss of a loved one, people will you know, have the day they lost them or their yeah. birthday or something yeah. like that, acknowledge mm. that they, uh, that they're still a part of, of our lives. Mm. But, uh, I remember from my own experience, I remember my counselor saying to me, um, after the summer, my daughter's adoption was in the spring. And so I spent the whole summer in just this re- weird fog of, of grief. And I remember her telling me, I want you to drive back to the place where you and her father met and mm. I want you to sit there and I want you to think about it. And so I did, reluctantly, drive, I parked, and then I just, I mean, just the sight of it, I I burst into tears.
1: Mm.
2: Because in that, I sat and thought about everything that had changed in my life Mm. in that one year.
1: Mm.
2: How one decision to meet someone, get involved with someone, the, just all, I could just see all these decisions, how it all led to this point. And the regret of saying, Mm. I wish I, could come back here a year ago and say, no, mm. that's not going to happen. Mm. But then in, the, in, a, in another way, it helped me go, okay, th- then this is what it is. Mm. I see the decisions. I understand where I could have made different ones, right. but now here we are. Mm. So now how do I go forward? Right. And it was incredibly cathartic. I drove away from there. So, something transformed in that moment. Mm. I think it was great advice. I would tell anybody the same thing like go Mm. to those places that are most painful Mm. and really think it through because uh I I think then you there's a you leave sort of a piece of you behind and say all right then that's done Mm. I'm gonna go forward Mm. now um I was watching recently Tom Hanks movie News of the World Mm. and it's a beautiful story of how a Civil War veteran takes this girl he finds this girl who's family was attacked during, uh, by Native Americans and she's been taken by the Native Americans and mm-hmm. he finds her and he's supposed to take her back to her family. And as they're on the journey, she comes, they pass back by her settlement
1: mm-hmm.
2: where the houses are burned and, and she walks deliberately, walks off the trail and goes back and walks through all the houses. And she finds, she has this corn husk doll and she finds it. And he says to her, why, why are you doing this mm-hmm. to yourself? And she says to him, um, in order to move forward, we must remember first. Mm. And, you know, it's this word it was if she's like 10. Um, but it's a beautiful, yeah. poignant moment in the film of like, sometimes we have to go back yeah, sure. to those places. We got to look at what burned down and then we got to yeah. Then we can move on.
0: Mm. That's beautiful. And because essentially what you're saying, Scott and Sarah, is that, you know, we have to move through the grief, even as painful as it is in order for that healing to take place because really the goal is for it to be healed so that when you do if you do move into a new job a new relationship or a new situation um you know you're coming to it without without that that heavy that heaviness that you're trying to say okay well i got this wrong in the past so i'm going to do it right this time in this scenario and so what you're saying is is you know it's important to move through each and every stage and specifically go through it with a group if you can
1: yeah, I heard something about service saying just about a week ago, we must be willing to go through ourselves to find ourselves, mm. and I think it's the same with our grief and our losses. We we must, and and I, let me tell you, I don't know of anything that takes as much courage as grief work, mm. and, which is another reason why you just cannot do it alone. Yeah. We need the support of others.
0: Mm. Well, that's great. Well, thank you guys so much. That was a, a great episode. And, um, you know, if you're out there and you're moving through any type of grief, even if it's something that happened, as you guys mentioned, 10 or 15 years ago, or it's something that's kind of been accumulating for a while, um, you don't have to do it alone. And it's best to, to have people that, that are also moving through it as well, um, that can understand you and love on you. And so we just want you to know you're not alone and um, reach out. And uh, that's what Restore Small Groups is all about. So we thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Take Care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.